Welcome to the CLS Experience. I'm your host, Craig Siegel. I'm a born and raised New Yorker who achieved success with multiple businesses, but I crave something deeper. So I dedicated myself to personal growth and transformation by revamping my mindset. I went from being unable to run a mile to conquering four marathons the following year. Now, I want to help others manufacture big breakthroughs of their own. Once you get the ball rolling, it really is like that proverbial snowball going down the hill. Like, it's, it's so interesting that whatever it is in life, if you point yourself in that direction, there's just this fascinating thing that happens where life, the universe, God, whatever you want to call it, starts to go, oh, I see what you're doing. And then, the, you know, they start to like align with you. And it's just so funny that uh, I was very fortunate early on to know what I was passionate about. I certainly did not know that it was going to work out. But I was going to put every ounce of effort into it so that, you know, when I was 74, I wouldn't have to look back and go, you know, what, what would have happened if I was 21 right out of college and I had tried? I wanted to give it my all. And if it worked out, amazing. If it didn't, I knew that I gave it every ounce of my effort. Bye. On today's episode of the CLS Experience, we have a very special treat. He's a dynamic four-time Emmy award-winning television host, radio personality, entertainment reporter, serial entrepreneur, keynote speaker, and iconic YouTuber. No big deal. He's a professional film critic, and like me, he's a die-hard professional wrestling fan and, do I dare say, movie geek. His charisma is off the charts, and his interview style has captivated millions. He's just a juggernaut in all facets of life and an extraordinary human being. Please welcome the fun, brilliant, exciting, and handsome Chris Van Vliet. How you doing, Chris? Doing great. I hope I can live up to all of these adjectives <laughs> that you just listed off here. We've got a lot to cover. I don't know how we're going to get all this in. Oh, my goodness. To be honest with you, that was the longest I've ever went before hit and record. And we had to stop it because there was so much synergy and alignment. Uh, where do we begin, right? But, but congratulations to you. You're somewhat newly engaged, as am I. Uh, and just a great conversation. And I'm excited to drop it here on air. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much for connecting. Congrats to you. You got engaged like two weeks ago, right? Three weeks ago? Yeah. Yep. Wow. Still, still and I, I got engaged like six weeks ago. So we're in the same boat here, man. Grab yeah. a paddle. Let's do this. That's it. And what's cool is me and you have, first of all, so many uh, similarities. But one is that you guys haven't picked a date yet. And that's yeah. totally fine. And like I was telling you, like for the first time, because I'm always like organized and structure and strategy, I'm just taking a minute to enjoy it. Um, and, and listen, it's a part of life, right? Sometimes like things will happen and you're like, oh, I wish I was more present. I wish I could have an experience of the experience, but for the first time I'm doing that and it feels great. There's this interesting thing that happens in our life where like, it's hard to experience moments as they're happening, unless you actually take a moment to go, oh, wow, this thing's happening. I'm drinking this in right now. I'm, I'm taking note of this. Yeah. And you, you can't experience moments if they've already passed, they're gone. So there's this funny thing that happens when you get engaged. Like the second your knee comes off the ground, people are like, so when's the date? Where's the wedding? Am I going to be invited? What's happening? Who's the best man? It's like, oh, I, I, she literally just said yes. So we, we are really basking in this afterglow of like a newly engaged couple. And I, I love that we have made the transition from boyfriend, girlfriend to now fiancés. And I'm, I'm just, we're really loving this moment. And you know, we'll pick a date and we'll pick a location eventually, but I love that we're being present 
in this moment and we're appreciating this for what it is. Yeah, I love everything you just said. And, and one thing I'm really working on is being mindful uh, and really trying to have an experience of our experience. But you nailed it, brother. I love this. Yeah, I had a I actually had a moment when I was in New York, probably right before the pandemic, where we went to remember the Greatest Showman. You know, the, one of the my movie. favorites. It's such a great movie, and we had a moment where the movie studio like took us to the premiere, and then afterwards there was like this after party, and like all of the stars were there. And I turned to my buddy Kevin and I said, "Like, just take it. Like, this is really cool, but like, take a second right now. Like, let's not talk for ten seconds, and let's just look around and like." imprint this on your brain right now so that you can go into those bank of memories six months from now, a year from now, whenever, when maybe you're not having the greatest day. And I've been doing that a lot more in my life, just taking that moment and drinking it in, remembering the sights, the smells, the sounds, taste, all of it. Unbelievable technique. I learned this uh, when I was studying NLP, neurolinguistic programming, when I first got to Wall Street, uh, we used to call it anchoring right? Like, mm. like you, you take a moment in time, how it smelled, how it felt, who you saw, and you're able to channel that to a present moment when maybe you're not feeling so elevated and it will immediately elevate your state. I love the frequency, brother. Yeah. I love that too. Cause you know, we experience life in seconds and minutes and days and weeks and months, all that, but we only remember them in moments. So I think it's important to like, to make those moments as tangible as possible. And so you can remember them. This is too much fun. The only negative I got going on is we don't have 10 hours to chat. Uh, for the audience listening, if you're not familiar with Chris, uh, do a deep dive. Go check out all his interviews, his YouTube channel, his social medias, his website, everything. Uh, you'll be really entertained. Uh, and he puts out unbelievable content. What I think is most valuable today is we just have an unbelievable conversation. Before we dive in, I'm going to get a little weird. You ready for me? Let's do it. <laughs> Chris, what is your superpower? Oh, I think it would be with all of the interviews that I've done. I think my superpower is listening because that is so, it's so rare so good. where someone is actually present and hearing the words that are coming out of your mouth because so much of the time, whether it's an actual recorded interview like this, or it's just a conversation you're having with someone, most of the time people are just waiting for you to be done so that they can start talking again. So true. Yeah. What an awesome superpower. And it really is so key. And probably one of the many reasons you've been so successful. And also like the guest, when, when they can tell that you're paying attention, it immediately develops rapport and it makes for such a, a more compelling conversation. Would you agree? Absolutely. And I, I understand that's a little bit more difficult when you're doing what we're doing right now over you know, Zoom. Like, look, technology is an amazing thing. I love that you and I are able to connect in real time on other sides of the country right now. Um, but there's something about like when you're able to sit down with someone in person and actually see that you're making eye contact with them and feel their energy. I, I think that that's a total game changer. Yeah, so much better. And we'll have to do a sequel in person. Uh, Done. Yeah. Done. <laughs> Don't twist my arm, right? Uh, this is awesome. I, I want to know a little bit about the background before we dive into some cool and exciting stuff that you're doing now. I, I always love for like the audience to get a feel of what made you you. And, and a lot of the similarities that we share, some of your passions with the movies and the wrestling, you've been able to turn into an awesome career. Tell us a little bit about, about who you are uh, and where you came from. So I grew up just outside of Toronto in a city called Pickering, Ontario. And 
I was always really passionate about broadcasting. Like I was obsessed with radio and television. I had a Fisher Price tape recorder when I was four years old and I would pretend (laughs) to be a radio personality. And that's kind of where it began. If I'm being completely honest with you, Craig, it seemed like a real long shot, especially growing up in Canada, where it's not nearly as many TV stations or radio stations as there are in the US. But I always loved that idea of performing. I was the vice president of my student council in high school because that was the guy who got to do the morning announcements. I hosted the fashion show and the talent show just because I wanted to be like holding a microphone, eliciting that response out of the crowd. And long story short, I studied communication studies in college and I was having a great time, but I felt like you know, I didn't know what was on the other side of that. I knew what I wanted to do, but I didn't know how to get there. And I had this epiphany in my senior year of college where I woke up one day and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. It's like, oh my gosh, when we graduate at the end of this year, we have to go work for you know the rest of our lives. And that was a, such a huge realization for me. And I realized in that moment that I didn't be one of one. I didn't want to be one of those people who couldn't enjoy Sunday because Monday was the next day. And there's too many people that like wake up dreading going to this job. And it's a, it's one of those, you know, it's, it's that have to do instead of the get to do. Yeah. So I reached out to every radio station, every TV station in my college town to just say like, Hey, can I volunteer? Can I come in and see how it's done in the real world? And that's how I jammed my foot in the door and kind of started this whole career. Yeah, that's relatable to, I'm sure to everybody in some capacity, right? Like a few years back when Wall Street stopped becoming fun, let me be completely vulnerable for a second. Like I was the type of cat that on Mondays, I was already looking forward to the weekend. And one of the cool things about now is like, everyone's always like, what are you on? What are you so excited about? Like, this isn't work to me. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Essentially, I spent 35 years trying to find myself. But once you took you a little bit shorter time and kudos to you for really going for it and having clarity at a younger age. But when you really step into that, isn't it interesting how the universe tends to open up doors for you and present opportunities when you really follow that alignment? Yeah, it's so true. And I think that once you get the ball rolling, it, it really is like that proverbial snowball going down the hill. Like it's it's so interesting that whatever it is in life, if you point yourself in that direction, there's just this fascinating thing that happens where life, the universe, God, whatever you want to call it, starts to go, Oh, I see what you're doing. And then the, you know, they start to like align with you. And It's just so funny that uh, I was very fortunate early on to know what I was passionate about. I certainly did not know that it was going to work out, but I was going to put every ounce of effort into it so that, you know, when I was 74, I wouldn't have to look back and go, yeah, what what would have happened if I was 21 right out of college and I had tried? I wanted to give it my all. And if it worked out, amazing. And if it didn't, I knew that I gave it every ounce of my effort. Bye. Nutrition Solutions offers the best healthy meal prep options for health, wellness, weight loss, and improved performance. The customer service and support at Nutrition Solutions is unbelievable and second to none. And when I travel for my marathons, the meals are waiting at my hotel. I don't even have to break a sweat. Even their protein donuts and breakfast items are made with fresh organic ingredients. I love Nutrition Solutions' reliability, quality, and all-around lifestyle that they represent, which is world-class. To get both physically and mentally fit, go to NutritionSolutions.com 
and use promo code CLS25. Thank me later, you dig. And, and this just got real because this reminds me right in the beginning of the pandemic when I wasn't working for the first time as a grown man because the offices were shut down. And, and I said to myself, like when I started to put, to, when I became available for those creative divine downloads, and it was like, of course, you love personal development, you're a gifted communicator. When I started to put together the strategy, there was no guarantee that this thing would work. At the time I had 300 Instagram followers, I had success in business, but not an online business so forth. And I said to myself, just what you just said, I'm like, I don't know for certain that it's going to work out. But two things, I'm willing to give it everything I got, be resourceful, learn and grow and get off of my butt when I get knocked down. But also, if God forbid it doesn't, I can live with that. But what I could not live with is regret wondering what would happen if I took that shot. Yeah. And, and I, what's, I mean, I, I'm going to completely ruin the quote, but it's something about like uh, uh, regret weighs uh, tons and, you know, you know what I'm talking about here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Regret ways. I'm going to look this up because I'm. Please I'm do. Completely... I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> but it's uh, here. It is. It's the um, price of regret. Something. Discipline weighs ounces. Regret weighs tons. And it's so true. Yeah, it's so, so true. true. Yeah. So kudos for you, brother, for finding that uh, and, and really getting after it. You were a go getter from the beginning. I imagine you had those traits in you. I know you played sports. Yeah, I think that that actually like instills a lot of that in you. So. From like, five, I think it was four years old, started playing T-ball, grew up in Canada. So of course you play hockey, but <laughs> I just, I, I, I was just one of those people who just loved playing every sport. So I was on the, uh, the volleyball team, the basketball team when I was in elementary school, the wrestling team in high school, uh, track and field, cross country. I did it all. And I think that there's something about being part of a team and like building together as a team that like really install or instill some great qualities in you that I know that I still have in me now. Yeah. I love that. And also the camaraderie, right? It's contagious. Um, it, it really is a beautiful thing. And there's traits that are applicable or universal, whether it be sports or, or doing what you're doing now, or really anything that can make you successful. I remember the first time I got onto a red carpet and if you've never seen a red carpet, if you've only seen one on TV, they're like, it's just like controlled chaos. So the stars walk on one side of like the velvet rope and all the reporters are on the other side, lined up like shoulder to shoulder, trying to get interviews. And the closer you get to the event starting or the movie starting, the less time they have for interviews. So a lot of it is like trying to jam your mic in Brad Pitt's face and like ask a question or <laughs> try to, you know, start a conversation. And I think that playing sports gave me like a little bit of that competitive edge because you would see what the person next to you was doing and you'd go, Oh, that's what you got. All right. Well, here's what I got. And, you know, it's kind of like a, you know, a, just a friendly competitive nature. I felt like. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, and it's a good trait to have straight up because as we were saying before we went on air, like with saturated spaces, um, you got to stand out right? Yeah. You have to separate yourself, so to speak. So, so I love that. I wanted to ask you this. I know we're jumping around a little bit. Um, with all the cool dynamic things that you do now, what excites you the most? Oh, man, every day, honestly, excites me. And I think that that was something that I figured out early on is like, I didn't want to be doing something I didn't want to do. So now, I define success for myself as being excited for what I'm going to do that day. And then at the end of the day, being proud of what I've done. So 
I, I, I love travel. I'm so glad that that's a part of what I get to do for work. I, I, one of the biggest things I love is just I love hearing people's stories. Same. And I feel so grateful to be able to have a podcast, a YouTube channel where I can hear people's stories. And I, I think when I got into this early on, I wanted to be a broadcaster. And I realized the more time I spent in it that, sure, you could call it a broadcaster, but what you're really doing is you're a storyteller. And I feel so fortunate to be able to tell other people's stories. Yeah, I love that. And there's so many similarities. I feel the same, but also like the broadcasting, like that probably planted a seed, right? And you have to go through, you have to try a couple things to figure out what you really gravitate towards. Yeah. And it was started with radio and it worked into news, television news. And I was, you know, I was television news reporter at a small station in Peterborough, Ontario, when I was 22 years old. And I just kind of knew that I didn't want to do news, at least at that age of my life, that stage of my career. And very, very, like a lot of things lined up and kind of a long story short, but MTV2 in Canada had a job opening in Vancouver, which is the other side of the country. I lived in Toronto and I found out the person who was doing the hiring, found out what their name was, called the TV station, asked for them by name. They didn't answer, but I got their voicemail, left them a message. They responded uh, in an email and said, hey, you know, we're still going through applicants. In the email signature was her direct phone line. So I like sat on that for a few days, a few days you later. Get resourceful. Yeah. Right. And I said, all right, uh, I'm going to be in Vancouver next week. I'd love to come and chat with you about the job. And she's like, well, if you're, if you're going to be here, sure, come on by. And I totally lied my way into that job interview. <laughs> turned into being the biggest break of my career. I went from like reporting on the new stop sign in small town, Ontario, Canada, to interviewing actors and musicians and comedians so cool. just like that. Yeah. And sometimes you have to take a calculated risk. Right. Like no one, if you think about religion and stuff like that, nobody's coming to save us. Uh, you have to stay, you have to separate yourself straight up. So, so I acknowledge you and, and also like a closed mouth doesn't get fed, right? You can't lose what you don't have, as I like to say. Uh, so awesome job on your part, creating opportunities. Yeah. You're never going to get any further ahead by just sitting back and waiting for those opportunities to come to you. And I think never. it's a really important thing, especially in the space that you're in. Like if you know, I'm just going to make up some names here, but like, if you know, if Tony Robbins is going to be at a certain place or uh, Grant Cardone or Gary Vaynerchuk, well, you could be in that place too. And I think that a lot of people will see the opportunity in front of them and go, yeah, well, but I got to work that Friday yeah. or, oh man, a flight to LA, that sounds expensive. Then I got to buy the hotel. Like if the opportunity is there and I learned this really early on in my career, if the opportunity is there, it's then on you to connect the dots and make this thing happen. hundred percent, right? And how bad do you want it? Straight yeah. up. Yeah, you just got me really excited. <laughs> that is, I, I'm dying to ask you this. And I said to you before we were on air, I feel like we're going to become best friends. And, and I love this. More of a movie geek or a wrestling nerd? That's tough. I, I think it goes in cycles. Like I'm very passionate about both of them. And I feel- Same. Like a very, very lucky to be able to talk to people in both worlds. But <laughs> I think it's, I think it's wrestling. I think that, cause that's such a niche interest, right? Like a lot of people like movies. And then I think it goes into like, well, at what tier do you like the movies? Cause one of my very good friends is like all about like frame rate and like aspect ratio. Like I love movies, but uh, you know, 
I'm not into like, did you shoot this on 70 millimeter or all that stuff? <laughs> I, so I, I think it's wrestling because you can be a casual fan of wrestling and then like just one level above that's going, oh, I know what moves coming next. And I know what the finish of this match is going to be. And I think I fall into that category. Yeah, I understand. Are you up to date with what's going on with wrestling? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah I just watched SummerSlam. I was there. Were you? Yeah, I was in Nashville. It was, of course it was amazing. Yeah. Nissan Stadium. That last match with uh, Brock and Roman, just in just a word, fun, right? Like check your brain at the door uh, and just have a good time. So much fun. And I think they needed to do that because Brock and Roman had wrestled, I think it was somewhere around uh, 476 times in the last year. So (laughs) (laughs) they needed to do something different and memorable rather than just making this another time that they had a match. So true. And and you know, what's interesting. Like, I think Brock is on record for saying like back in the day, like he would clock in and clock out. Like it was a paycheck. Sure. Um, Maybe I'm deceived, but it looks like that guy's having fun right now as Cowboy Brock. And and I think it's, I I agree with you, but I also think that he's so calculated in what he does. Like from the outside looking in, you look at Brock Lesnar as being this like, you know, huge muscled up pro wrestler and, you know, former UFC heavyweight champion. I think he has a really good business mind. So I think that, Sure, he probably is genuinely enjoying this character, but I also think there's an element of it where he's like, if if I do this, then this will happen. Like, if I'm doing this on camera, that might mean we sell more pay-per-views, sell more tickets, make more money. Yeah, so true. Uh, well, who excites you most right now in the wrestling world? Anybody up and coming? Or what are you most excited about in regards to that? I will tell you, people are sleeping on Will Ospreay. And like, and I was so excited when he made an appearance on AEW because he's done all of his best work in New Japan. And while New Japan is amazing, I think you have to like, you have to search for it because it's yes. not, you know, you, you know, when Raw is on, you know, when SmackDown's on, you know, when Dynamite and uh, Rampage are on, but you, you got to search for New Japan stuff. So he is doing such incredible work, like literally look at his match with anybody and you'll go, Oh, wow. That takes some real talent. Yeah. AEW was really hot in the beginning. They were doing some really cool things. I'll be honest with you. I'm more of a WWE type of cat. Uh, Are they still as hot and exciting as they were maybe a year ago? Oh yeah. Oh. And I think that the, the most interesting thing about what AEW is doing is Tony Khan's a fan. And he's he's booking matches that fans want to see. And he's booking angles that that fans want to see. Like, if it wasn't for Tony Khan, CM Punk would have never returned to pro wrestling. Yeah. And I think that that was, that was one of the greatest returns in the history of pro wrestling. So I can understand what you're saying, that you, you probably grew up watching WWF. Definitely. You're, you know, yeah. you're a WWE fan. I totally get that. AEW is doing something really interesting and it's okay to like both. It's okay yeah. to go, man, that match that uh, they had at SummerSlam, that was great. But also yeah. this match they had on Dynamite, also really good. Look, like, you know, different flavors of ice cream. Competition breeds success, right? If AEW is making a major splash, the WWE has to elevate their game, get a little bit more original, try new things, push different characters. So as a wrestling fan, uh, everybody wins. And we're starting to see that 
You know, Vince McMahon announced his retirement a few weeks ago. Crazy. Triple H is now in charge of creative. And we're already starting to see things in, I will call it the Triple H era. I saw someone put this online, like, you know, the attitude era, the ruthless aggression era, the PG era. A lot of people are calling this the Triple H era, even though we're like two weeks into it. So let me but- ask you this, Chris. This isn't like a publicity thing because Vince is in some hot water. This is legit. Like Triple H is, is handling the creative. I don't think Vince McMahon is doing anything in terms of the day-to-day of WWE. I think it's wow. Stephanie McMahon, Nick Khan, and Triple H are running the show here. I also don't think that what we saw with Vince McMahon and the story that came out with the Wall Street Journal, I don't think that's over yet. I don't know what's I don't know what's gonna come out of this, but I don't think that story's over. I think that you know, Wall Street Journal posted this uh story that he had paid $15 million and former, you know, to some of his former female employees. Then he, you know, retired. And I think people thought that was the end of the story. I, I just feel like we're going to see something else. I understand. Yeah. Yup. That's correct. Billionaire Mark Cuban is motivating entrepreneurs daily with his three commas line of apparel, accessories, and coffee. Three commas has the softest suede crew tees a great line of accessories, and the best direct trade Colombian coffee. Join the Three Commas Club on Instagram at Three Commas or visit their website, threecommas.com, to learn more. Thank me later, you dig. And to acknowledge Triple H for a second, he's he's always really been doing some really cool things. Like even with NXT, that that was his brainchild, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that he's going to be bringing like a lot of that psychology of NXT to the main roster. Like it was so cool seeing my buddy carrying cross make his debut on SmackDown. Like I was just texting with him recently about like what was next for him. And all of a sudden he shows up on SmackDown and he's in the title picture. Like that's, that's really cool. That is really cool. I read somewhere, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, that Bobby Lashley was your first wrestling interview. It's true. Yeah. So 2007 was when we did that interview and that was the job MTV to Canada in Vancouver that I was talking about. And I had interviewed so many different musicians and celebrities, comedians, actors, all of that. And WWE was coming to town. And I said to my boss, I said, do you think we could interview a WWE superstar? And she's like, yeah, of course, we've done that before. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get paid to talk to a wrestler. And it was like the merging of two of my passions, pro wrestling and broadcasting like together. So yeah, it was Bobby Lashley when he was the ECW champion at the time. And it it was so cool to look back on that. And by the way, that guy does not age. If you look back at the clip, I recently posted it like a year or so ago. (laughs) The guy doesn't age. It's unbelievable. Incredible. And I'm so happy that he's had uh, a more significant push later on in his career, if you will. Yeah. And, and it's, it's hard not to push a guy that looks like that. And yeah. a guy that's as talented as that. I mean, that guy is so incredibly athletic, so he deserves everything he has right now. Yeah. It's crazy because there's a lot of people that look the part, but a big part of what makes wrestlers successful in wrestling is charisma. Yeah. Right. And what's also interesting is like forever, um, a lot of fans said they tried to jam Roman Reigns down our throats. Um, but the truth of the matter is, in my personal opinion, Roman's doing his best work now. He found his calling as a bad guy. Would you agree mm-hmm. with that? 
Absolutely. It was and John Cena actually pointed this out last time I talked to him that the pandemic era of wrestling, and by the way, everything else, every other sport came to a screeching halt. You know, baseball, basketball, football, hockey, all of it. Pro wrestling continued somehow week to week, still doing, you know, all their shows. And John Cena was saying that the pandemic era of having no fans in the arena actually really helped Roman because he would go out and he would be able to control the reaction because there was no crowd reaction. A lot of times you go to one city, they boo you the next city, maybe they cheer you a little bit more here. He was able to kind of just go with the narrative and just keep going. And he, like he dove into this character and you're absolutely right. This is the best work of his career. And I'm, I'm with those people. Roman was being shoved down our throats in the same way that John Cena was in the late 2000s. And like people were just so sick of seeing him in the main event month after month after month after month. And now it's like, I can't wait to tune in because it's such good stuff. Like him aligning with Paul Heyman was so good. Now, and for people that are listening to this that aren't wrestling fans, they're like, I don't know who you're talking about, but this is interesting. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It's like you mentioned, uh, I'm not sure if it was when we, we hit record right before that, a lot of the people that you get to interview, you selfishly, you're like, you'll ask them a question just for you, right? Like this yeah. conversation, I want the audience, my community to be familiar with you and your work because I think it's incredible, but also selfishly, like, I'm just excited to chop it up with you, brother. This is awesome stuff. <laughs> you mentioned Cena a couple of times. I know you're pretty close with him, right? You guys have a relationship. I don't know about pretty close with him, but I've been very fortunate to interview him. I think it's like four times now. And he's just always been so kind to me. And it's so easy to see why he's in the position that he's in. And I'll give you a perfect example of this. Stand up cat, that guy. So good. So WrestleMania 35 was in New York City. And he wasn't even booked to be on the card. Mm -hmm. And through a mutual friend, I got an interview with him. And it was the only interview he did the entire weekend. And he, he had like a very small window of time between working out and then going off to the signing that he was doing. So I had like a 10 minute, very tight window. Like he literally walked out of, well, first of all, I got there. It was like this very prestigious, like private gym in New York city in Manhattan. And I got there, I took the elevator up. I text him. I'm here. He texts me back. I can't see you. And I'm not trying to be funny. And I was like, <laughs> Oh my gosh, he used the line. That's so cool. he, he finds us, he comes over and like, he's like, Let's, let's go. Let's like start rolling. So we like went right into it. We had like a, he told me I had 10 minutes for the interview, right around the 10 minute mark. I go to wrap it up. Like, John, thank you so much. He's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Reaches for his phone in his pocket. You still got more time. I'm like, what? How much more time do I have? He goes, just keep going. So we talked for like another five minutes and I go to wrap it up again. And he's like, oh, hold on, hold on. Reaches for his phone again. He goes, you got time for like one more, one more question. And like, first of all, he didn't need to do an interview with me at all. Like so gracious to be able to do that. But then he extended it not once, but twice. And then I looked back on that interview at the end of the year. And that was definitely the most, you know, my favorite interview. I I made a little segment of my top five interviews of the year. And I texted him to just say like, thank you. Like, thank you for doing this interview with me. And I was expecting him to maybe go, no problem, or like a thumbs up emoji. I'll actually read you what he wrote to me. I I know this story, and I'm so excited for the audience to hear it as well. It was like... Gives me chills. I don't know why I can't find it now as as I'm trying to tell you this story. Here it is. 
So he goes, Chris, you are passionate, curious, empathetic, and hardworking. All of the traits needed for success in any field. Thank you for a great conversation and wishing you the best in the new year. And I'm like, I would, thank you would have been good. But like the, the fact that he took the time to write that very thoughtful response shows exactly the type of person that he is. That's right. And also I agree with him. Those are awesome traits that not only you possess, um, but anybody that can cultivate those traits would be successful in any field, but what an awesome story, right? Like that, that's a humble dude right there. And like you said, it, it's not surprising that he's had so much success with it being wrestling the make a wish, obviously now in Hollywood, I mean, he's, he's literally on every single commercial, whether it's him or his voice. Right. Yeah. not amazing? I, and I also think that I had this conversation with Dave Batista, like about maybe five years He's ago when he, was, when he was doing the, uh, when he was an inspector, he was a, a James Bond henchman in uh, the James Bond movie Spectre. Spectre. Yep. And I said, what's really cool is like, you, you have a real role in like a big movie. And he said, oh yeah, that was calculated. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, I didn't want to have like one line in a small movie. Like, I held out for the bigger roles. I said, oh, wow, that's, that's fascinating. He said, I also made it a point to step away from wrestling. And he goes, the rock actually told him that goes, the rock told me that if you go back to wrestling, it's like quicksand, like, you know, it'll, it'll grab you and it'll pull you in. So the three most successful pro wrestlers who have now gone on to Hollywood and the most successful to transition have all done a great job of going, Here's the thing I did in pro wrestling. Here's the new chapter I'm beginning in Hollywood. The Rock, Dave Batista, and John Cena have all kind of gone. That was one chapter. It's done. On to the new chapter now. Wow, that's awesome. And thank you for pulling back the curtain on that. And it's so true, right? Like you have to go all in. And I see The Rock's point. It's interesting because, correct me if I'm wrong, you'd know this better than I would, but but I think there was a, a moment in time when Cena was still wrestling all the time he was a little skeptical of the rock's intentions um, for, for go, making the, the full pivot. Right. And kind of put keeping wrestling in the rear view. Uh, and then he came back later and said, you know what? I stand corrected. The rock actually helped pave the way. Well, I think that there was that moment when they were promoting the WrestleMania 28 and 29 matches, which is now 10 years ago. Crazy to think about. Wow. I, that is right. Great. Yeah. WrestleMania 28 was 10 years ago. So I think there was a moment there where, you know, John Cena was there week in, week out, day in, day out. How like, shows, yeah. Mr. Kennedy, uh, Ken Anderson told me this great story of how like Kennedy. when he first got there, that, that Cena was on the road 364 days that year, got was home for one day. So I think that Cena is basically going like, I'm here doing all this and you just pop in. Like, I think that there was just a little bit of like, exactly. I, yeah, yeah I, like I can't believe that like, I've got to do all this work and you just get to pop in and like, enjoy it. And then I think he realized when he got into the acting business of like, you can't be doing this week in week out because when you're the star of a movie or you're the rock and you're the star of the movie, and you're also producing the movie, if you, you know, take a knee to the face, like John Cena did from Seth Rollins and you break your nose and put it over here. Well, all of a sudden production now has to come to a screeching halt. Yeah. And I think he's basically saying like, I understand that like the entire production is relying on someone like John Cena. So now that he's in the movie business, he goes, get it. And he even told me, he goes, I, I get it. I was, I was ignorant when I made those comments and I'm sorry. 
Yeah, so true. And I was at the the second match I had. I think it was Mania in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Rock got hurt. I think he pulled his, his something, his pelvis. Or, yeah, I, I think. Yeah, you think he tore a yeah. quad muscle off or adductor muscle off of his pelvis. Yeah, yeah. Scene is blowing up right now in Hollywood. I didn't see the Peacemaker show. It's out already. Oh yeah, it's very good. Like this I, is this is also a crazy thing to think about. I think that we're all seeing John Cena now. Like and and he's like you said, he's everywhere. Yeah. John Cena's first movie role was uh, Marine. 16 years ago in the Marine. Yeah. So like, he's been doing this for a, a long time and so I think true. he's finally coming into his own, like peacemakers easily the best work he's done. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed suicide squad. I, I was a little, cause I'm a, I'm a geek. Like I, I always look at the box office numbers. I want certain movies to do well and so forth. And I was a little surprised that that movie didn't do as well. But then again, I know it was released uh, during the pandemic um, and you can view it at home at the same time. So maybe that hurt yeah. some of the numbers. Well, let's be clear. The second Suicide Squad movie was so much better than the first one. So first much. one was so bad. Disappointing. I think it was a tough time for all entertainment during 2020 and 2021. And like, it's cool now seeing movies like Top Gun just go and make a boatload of money. It makes me so happy, Chris. And that was me too. And that was a that was a brilliant move. That movie was supposed to come out. I think it was was I think it was Memorial Day weekend, twenty twenty. And obviously, right time too. Right movie at the right time. Right. It was so it was supposed to come out in twenty twenty, and then it got pushed back to twenty twenty one, and then it got pushed back to twenty twenty two because Tom Cruise is like, this is a movie that needs to be seen in theaters, and this is going to like, yeah, and this is going to kickstart like people going back to movies again. I love that him. Uh, as a movie star and, and Chris Nolan as a director, I'm pretty sure he said something like this, like they make movies for the big screen period. Yeah. yeah and Christopher Nolan's one of the few directors that's still shooting on actual film. Like there's, there's a handful uh, Tarantino, obviously and Fincher, like, but most new directors are shooting on digital because it's so much cheaper. Like, I think when you're Christopher Nolan and you say, no, sorry, we're shooting on 70 millimeter or IMAX or whatever it happens to be. They're not going to say no to you. No, he's a proven track record for sure. I think he's probably one of the best directors working today. Man, I like that guy just doesn't miss. Like yeah. it, you could pick any of Christopher Nolan's films as your favorite film and nobody's going to go terrible choice. Like they're all good. They're all masterpieces. To be honest with you, I didn't see the first, only one I didn't see was his last one, Tenet, that came out during the pandemic. How was that? Oh my gosh. You need to see this. Oh, really? Oh yeah. It's, okay. And it's one of those movies that you'll watch once and you'll go, I don't know if I saw everything. And you didn't, by the way, yeah, that movie requires multiple rewatchings. And I, I'll say the same thing about Interstellar. I left the theater after seeing Interstellar for the first time. And I went, I don't know what I think of this. I yes, really don't know. And now I've seen it you know, four or five times. And I'm like, oh, that, that movie really grew on me. That might be my favorite Nolan film. Yeah, he does so many things. Well, I love that he uses some of the same actors and and usually Hans Zimmer with the score. He just has a vibe, those movies. And, and I, was- I love I love his relationship with time. And that is at the core of Dunkirk, where it's being shot in three different timelines. That's at the core of Interstellar, how like you're, they play with time a lot there. Oh, yeah. That's at the core of Inception, where time speeds up and slows down. I, I I'm fascinated by that because... Time's the only thing we can't get back, right? Like yeah, time's the only non-renewable non-renew- resource that we have. And I love how you leave his movies and you go, huh, 
yeah. really on to something here. Hundred percent. I'll be forever grateful um, that he got the opportunity for that Batman trilogy, the Dark Knight trilogy, um, Dark Knight Rises, and obviously Dark Knight. Some of my favorite movies of all time. And that changed the way that we look at comic book movies. Like that yeah. was a complete game changer with Batman Begins, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises. It made people not look at these as just comic book films anymore. Correct. It made them look at them as actual, like, you know, film films, if you will. But I think for a long time, comic book movies were like, oh, that's, that's just a comic book movie. Yep. Not anymore. What'd you think of two questions? What'd you think of the last Batman film? And then also uh, Batgirl being canceled. So Pattinson, Robert Pattinson just absolutely crushed it as Batman. And I was not expecting that. I was not expecting that at all. And I think that a lot of people uh, think of him just as playing Edward Cullen and Twilight, Twilight movies, yeah. right? And I, It was a ballsy casting, I would say. So I, it was definitely surprising, but yeah. man, man, was he good. I loved how dark that movie was. And I loved how this, the great thing about all the Batman movies, going back to the Nolan ones and, and this one as well, is they feel like they could exist in in, in real life. They, they, they feel like they could exist in. And I love that the the villain, especially in the latest Batman movie, feels like someone that you could see on TV. So love that. I, I, I'm very surprised that Batgirl's canceled and they just they took all of that and are just going to shelf yeah. it. But yeah. I understand that there's the situation going on with Ezra Miller and until they can figure out what that situation is going to be and what they're going to do with that. I, I can understand that. I could see this movie coming back maybe in the future, yeah. but I think that's the, that, that call makes sense because people are going to be more focused on the drama around Ezra Miller than actually focusing on the film. Yeah. And also, I think Warner Brothers maybe hired new management or a new owner or something like that. And, and maybe they look at the brand a little bit differently, right? Maybe quality and they didn't love what they saw. Who knows? That's an interesting point because I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of pressure, I think, in Hollywood. And we only see the finished product when we go to the movie theater or we turn on our TV and watch it. You don't realize that this began as a pitch that turned into a script that got rewritten you know, 17 times. And then, you know, they filmed this, like there's so many steps along the way. And I think that a lot of times when, when you've shot it all and then you've edited it all, the movie studio goes, we got to get this thing out. I mean, we put so much money and so much time into this. We got to put it out. We got to get our money back. And I think that sometimes there's some movies that get put out and it, it can hurt, especially when it's a, a brand like Batgirl or Batman if it's not great, I think it can hurt the brand. So maybe in a way, this is them going, this isn't up to the standard of where our film should be. So instead of risking it and putting it out there, we're just going to not. If that is the case, then kudos to them for their new leadership, um, because you have to have a higher standard, especially if you want to compete or surpass Marvel, who's done it really well for for really long time. And they want to be right there with them. What was that? That's right. I can hear your thoughts. Have no fear. I'm going to tell you exactly where you can get weekly access to the CLS experience live in action. Drop in gems, nuggets, trainings, special celebrity and business mogul guest speakers, and maximum energy. We just launched the CLS membership. We have weekly Zooms with like-minded, growth-oriented juggernauts. 
networking, and absorbing all the wisdom via weekly Zooms. Head to CultivateLastingSymphony.com and then bang, enter your new network today. Let's grow together, you dig? I think there's a lesson to be learned with what happened with Justice League. Like the Justice League that we originally got was not the film that anybody wanted to see. And the Zack Snyder cut, which fans were calling for for years and years and years and years, when that finally came out, people just went, why didn't you just give us this movie in the first place? Like, why don't why why would you hire Zack Snyder to make a movie if you weren't going to trust the choices that he made? Yeah, that was weird. Right. Like like whether you love the first two movies he did or not, Man of Steel and then Batman v Superman, like it had a vibe. Right. And he they should have let him finish that little story arc or, or trilogy, whatever the case may be. That was strange. I'm not saying that the Snyder Cut is by any means a perfect film, but it is no. infinitely better than Justice League. Can't be worse, respectfully. <laughs> um, and again, only negative I got going on is we're coming to the end now. Uh, top, fi- and I know you, just like me, like you treat them like your children. Um, I won't quote you on this, but top three favorite interviews of all time. Go. I mean, I think The Rock goes to the top of that list for me because he meant so much to me growing up. Like I was a huge wrestling fan in the late nineties. And while it was Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Vince McMahon is the storyline that like got me in. That was the big storyline at the time when I started watching. It was The Rock's charisma, both in and out of the ring that like made me go, oh, there's something special here. So I would ask people questions in my high school, Craig, just so I could shout, it doesn't matter what you think. (laughs) So like, that's how much The Rock meant to me. So fast forward, whatever it was, 12 years from there, and The Rock was yelling, it doesn't matter at me. Like it was a very cool moment. And look, he's everything you want him to be. I think we see him on social media and go, man, is that really like how he is? And yeah. He's funny, he's kind, he's charismatic, but he also has this star quality about him where he has self-awareness to know this is a big moment and he he brings you into the moment and makes the moment about you. So The Rock is number one on that list. I think all the other ones, I don't know. I feel like they all fall in love. John Cena is also great because of all the reasons I talked about earlier. He is not in the position that he's in right now by accident. And I think there's there's a lot to be learned from how calculated he's been in everything that he's done in his career. And I find that to be like very, very interesting. So John Cena has always been so kind to me and like I'm super grateful for that. And even though it was a really short interview, there was one I did with Oprah years ago and Oprah's Oprah for a reason. And Watch any interview where she's being interviewed. Watch it now. She has a way of using the person's name in her answers. She has a way of like physically touching the person, whether it's touching their arm or touching their elbow. She like she has all of these nonverbal cues down that make her a great communicator and a great listener. And her story is it just blows my mind. Like there, there is no reason with the upbringing that she had that she should have had any of the success that she had other than the fact that she wanted it so bad and she wasn't going to stop until it happened and she believed it was possible for her where where i see a lot of people fail uh that want like they see me oh look at all the success you've had in a short time but they don't really believe 
that their self-worth can go like that, right? Like, obviously you have that, which is really impressive. That's why you're interviewing Oprah, The Rock and so forth. Um, It's one thing to want it. It's nothing to believe that it's achievable. And that's a really big part of it is like, if you can, I think sometimes people see someone who's doing the thing that you want to do and they go, must be nice. Like, you know, good for them. I get jacked up when I see that. I go, oh my gosh, that means it's possible. Same. Oh, and if, if they can do it, that means I can do it too. I just got to figure yeah. out how they got there. It's exactly what I think when, when we were talking before about an area, like, especially with what you do with like coaching and mentoring, like it's a saturated space. Like most yeah. people would look at that with imposter syndrome, but I just see opportunity. If they can do it, it's only a matter of time before I'm resourceful to figure it out. So uh, I, I definitely appreciate that. I have to ask you this. You've interviewed some really impressive people, brother. I want to acknowledge you for that. Who is still on that list that you're dying to have that interview with? It's a long list. Like I, there's still a lot of people I haven't had a conversation with. Which makes it you, so fun and exciting. I know. You mentioned him earlier, but I'd love to be able to talk with Christopher Nolan about that concept of time and his obsession with time. Like I've, I've never had the chance to even be in the same room as him. So a conversation with Christopher Nolan would be great. And oh yeah, one day, one day. I I remember when I was still in college, I remember we were asked like, who are the broadcasters that you look up to? And one of them was Roger Lodge who hosted Blind Date. Remember Blind Date? I love Blind Date, but another one was Joe Rogan. And this was back, you know, when he was just doing Fear Factor. And the thing I loved about Joe Rogan's style was he talked to the camera like he was talking to a friend. And there's a lot of broadcasters that were talking in like that crazy news voice of like, okay, welcome back to the show. Here's what we're <laughs> doing today. Yeah. So and I just love that Joe Rogan spoke like he's, he's always been so real and it's inspiring to see that he's taken all the things that he's passionate about comedy, having conversations, UFC, all of it. And he's made a career out of it. So, so I, I would, I, I find that, I find that really fascinating. Yeah. Uh, and also, not that we're at that level yet, but me and you have done something uh, to some extent where we've taken our passions and figured out ways um, to combine having a lot of fun, making an impact, and obviously making a living. So kudos to you too for that, brother. And all things considered, you're just getting warmed up. Well, and I want to acknowledge you too. Like we, we said it off air, but like the best part about coaching is anybody can do it. But the worst thing about coaching is also anybody can do it. And the fact that you've allowed yourself to stand out and that you are making a living here doing it, my hat's off to you because that's not easy. Yeah. And again, same, this is like a, like a serious bro fest here, but same with you with the interviewing and so forth, like, and to be able to interview the names that you are, and then they come back, right. And, and seen is shooting you a text. You have another 10 minutes with me. You're doing something right, brother. And that's pretty special. Thank you. I've, I've been very fortunate to be able to do a lot of this off of the back of the you know amazing television networks and television shows that I've worked for. And to be able to slide my own passion for wrestling or filmmaking or comedy, any of that in, that just feels like the perfect marriage. 100%. I, I feel the same. And I think that's why this was such a special conversation. You have the YouTube channel, uh, you have the podcast, uh, where are you going with this stuff? And also, um, now that we're a couple million strong now on the podcast, what's the best way for the community and the audience to support you, brother? 
So wherever you're listening to this, you can also go check out my podcast called Insight with Chris Van Vliet. We just did a recent episode with Jamie Foxx and Dave Franco. No big deal. (laughs) I I love that conversation. Jamie Foxx has dripping with talent. It's not even fair how much talent that man has. Uh, I'm also on YouTube. It's just my name at Chris Van Vliet. And then on social media, also the same. So, but like, dude, thank you so much for taking the time. I love that we were able to chop it up about wrestling too. To be honest with you, I never had a conversation like this on this show. It was just the most natural. Like there was almost like for the first time ever, there was no agenda. I just, I had a sense that there was a ton of synergy and alignment. And also what you've been able to accomplish is super impressive. So of course, I want to share that with the audience. Uh, But this was time really well spent. I can't believe it's been an hour already straight up. Me neither. We got to do this again. We'll do the next one in person. So next time you're in LA, let me know. We'll we'll hit record in person. Done and done. How can I personally support you? You've done it. Th- these last 55 minutes or whatever this conversation was. So thank you. Awesome. Uh, congratulations again on the engagement. What an you awesome too. conversation, brother. Chris, I want you to know you the definition of perspective, ambition, and growth from taking your life experience to spreading positivity, light, deep truths. You're a true visionary, role model, and beacon of hope for anybody coming up to their big goals and aspirations. I can personally guarantee your best yet to come. Keep on spreading your wings and leaving your mark on this world. So much love and respect for you. Thank you so much for stopping by and dropping these priceless nuggets today, Chris. Thanks, brother. I appreciate you. What an awesome conversation. That was great, man. Thank you so much. Yeah. I would love to build a friendship. Anything else that I could do to support you? Literally, you name it, brother. If there's anything I can think of, I'll shoot you a message. But dude, actually, I don't know. I don't know if we're connected on Instagram, right? Uh, I don't think we are. Well, let's make that happen. Done. What kind of guests do you typically have on your podcast? I know your show is probably really big. I have obviously a lot of pro wrestlers because that's kind of the bread and butter. But yeah. Kind of uh, like I had, I had uh, Grant Cardone on the show. I had Ed Milet on the show. Um, I had Jamie Foxx on the show. Yeah. If so, you're looking for a guest, I'd love to support. Do some sort of giveaway with my audience and so forth. We have a really big email list. I'd love to chop it up with you. Oh, awesome. Okay. Well, I just followed you on Instagram. So uh, we're connected on there. Awesome. And then I'm going to show you my number in about 10 minutes. Let's exchange cool. numbers. And, and I have a feeling we're going to run into each other sooner than later, uh, just by kind of being in similar circles. Sounds great, man. I can't wait. Thank you again for connecting. This was awesome. My pleasure, brother. Have a great rest of the day. You too, bro. Be well. Bye, Chris. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And follow me on Instagram at Craig Siegel underscore CLS, the YouTube channel Craig Siegel and our website, CultivateLastingSymphony.com, where you could sign up for our email blast with all free trainings on all of our content. The best is yet to come.